interesting one, and I remember reading this for the first time, and it just just stopping me in my tracks. Hmm? What was the deal with Jesus and that fig tree? What 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 happened there? You might think, <laughs> does, yeah, does he not like figs or something right. like that? Yeah. Well, hi. My name is Zach, and welcome to a very special episode of the Family Room Conversations. I'm calling it special this week because, unlike other weeks, we're actually going to talk about a lot of different questions about Jesus. Just like every week, these questions come from you guys, our audience. And in keeping with our themes of the last couple weeks, lots of these have to do with some sort of apparent contradiction in one way or another. But this week, we're going to rapid fire off a bunch of different questions that may seem unrelated at first, but they all have to do with the central theme of Jesus, his divinity, and his humanity. So if you've ever had one of these questions about Jesus, or maybe you thought that just something about his story didn't line up, I hope we get to your topic today. And if we don't, and you'd like to hear us talk about it, please send it our way. We can't do what we do without your help. We would love to have those conversations with you on another episode of the Family Room Conversations. So wait, what did that mean? How can I really use that? So what does that mean? Yeah, I'm just trying to understand. But how do I do that every day? Can you just help me understand? So what does that even mean? Hey, Gary, how are you? Zach, doing well. How about yourself? You. I'm doing well. It's been a lovely couple of days. Time started to cool off. Yes. Um, so welcome, you guys, to a special episode of the Family Room Conversations. We are taking a whole bunch of questions uh, all at one time. We're calling this our um, Things You Want to Know About Jesus Special. There you or go. something more, <laughs> more uh, concise than that. I don't know. Um, but we, I got a bunch of questions lately that have to do with Jesus himself. And okay. they're all from different parts of his ministry, but they all have to do with his divinity. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, I wanted to all tackle these at the same time because they all, you know, they may, we may have to rely on, oh, well, it's just a mystery. It's just part of the beautiful mystery that is Jesus and his divinity. Right. Um, but I want to give, I want to give you extra, uh, plenty of time to talk about these things. And I want you guys to be able to, you know, act ask more questions or, or however that happens. Anyways, let's dive into it. One of the first questions we got was, uh, and I think this is a good overarching question. Sure. Okay. What does it mean that Jesus was fully God and fully man? Yeah, that was the uniqueness of who he was in the sense that he did not originate in Mary's womb. He was not the child of Joseph, the earthly father. He actually originated in heaven. And so he's fully divine and yet he's tempted in every way as we are, yet he never sinned, so he's fully human. Uh, you find him asleep on a cushion. You find him hungry and thirsty. Um, and so, you know, he, he allows, I mean, you know, he's, his intent is to bridge God and man, God and people. And so to do that, he had to be from God and one of the people. And so that gives him the uniqueness that no other uh, person who's ever walked the planet has ever uh, claimed that and proved that. Now, many people have claimed that, but obviously uh, Jesus proved it by his miracles, uh, by raising the dead, and then by himself dying and being raised from the dead. Confirm mm -hmm. that, yes. Yeah. Doesn't that come from, is it Hebrews, where, where it says that he was tempted in every way that we are, mm -hmm. so yep. that we wouldn't be without some... We be well, we can us. approach him with confidence because he understands when we're struggling, saying, Jesus, I don't think I can do this. And, he, and we understand he has compassion on us because he says, well, I've been where you are and, and I was able to overcome it. So I'd like to help you with that. Yeah. Sure. I think it's the balance of that, mm -hmm. you know, his divinity and his humanity that were, is where a lot of these questions come from. Sure. You know, if sure. Jesus was fully God, why was he tired? Or if Jesus was fully man, how could he turn water into wine? Stuff like that. Right. In the beginning, I mean, when the church first launched, that was a big debate. You had one school of thought that said he was fully man, 
and wasn't really. And the other group said he was fully God and was like a ghost, and the debates ensued. So it's, it's been a discussion for 2,000 years. Right, and we fit in right in the middle. Right, right. Um, where he is both. Okay, so from that, kind of establishing that, that sure. there's some divine mystery here and some of this balance that we can't understand, um, why was Jesus' favorite nickname for himself the Son of Man? Yeah, Son of Man was just something from the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, and it originated there. Uh, it was just another confirmation that Jesus, in his life, confirmed the prophecies from the Old Testament. Mm. And so he used that, and, and when he spe- spoke it, you know, the people who knew the Old Testament well, it's like, wow, I know what, what he's talking about. And, uh, you know, just a, a prophetic confirmation of who he, you know, that he had been prophesied and he was a fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Yeah, I like that. So a little bit of context there. I don't think there's a specific passage where Jesus says, I want you to call me the Son of Man. That's my favorite thing for you to call me. Um, But it seems to be, you know, there were all of these things for that people called Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man. Um, and that seemed to be the one that he calls himself the most when he refers to himself as the... He would refer to that often, yes. Um, And again, Jesus referred to himself in the context of the audience Mm -hmm. to whom, you know, for some people he'd say, I'm the... I'm the source of life, I'm the water, you know, I'm the bread of life, things right. like that. So, yeah, depending upon the context. But again, he just wanted to anchor himself that, um, you know, I am something new, but I've been prophet, you know, prophesied about for a long, long time. So he's kind of both old and new uh, in the sense that uh, he's been around since the beginning. Right. Um, and it just confirmed again for the Jewish people, wow, here's the fulfillment of what the prophet Daniel mentioned. Right. Sure. Yeah, I guess that means there could be some textual bias there in that, you know, we don't know how many times Jesus, Jesus' whole three-year, four-year ministry um, is just kind of reduced to a small, thick page, couple pages of well, the Bible. And so yeah. He could have called himself any number of things, but we just see him calling himself the Son of Man. Well, then to the book of John, even John said, there's many more things I could have written about. If I wrote, there aren't, aren't even probably enough books in the world to hold it. So right. sure, there's lots and lots and lots of things right. Jesus did, said, uh, that are never mentioned. Yeah, and so it could be just because we see him around Jews a lot that he wants to connect himself back to their their context. Sure, of sure. Life. The entire math, book of Matthew is like that. Yeah. So yeah, very much. Cool. Okay, I like that. So um, let's move on. Next okay. question, next question. Um, this one I got a bunch of different ways and it all kind of, uh, nobody said this specifically, but <laughs> everybody was going to, lots of people were asking this question. Okay. How did Jesus not know things, mm-hmm. right? And a good example, Matthew 13, 32, um, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man. Sure. How did Jesus, if Jesus was fully God, how did he not know things? Well, going back to what we've said already, I mean, when Jesus came and according to the uh, chapter of Philippians of chapter two, uh, Jesus emptied himself to become one of us. What that specifically looks like, there are volumes written on that. But we do understand that in the book of John, Jesus did say, I only do what I see my Father doing and say what my Father's leading me to say. So um, obviously there was a connection, you know, the triune God between God the Father and God the Son. So when that question was posed about time and dates, at that moment, evidently God the Father did not direct God the Son, Jesus, in that response. Mm. It was not ignorance. It just had not been revealed at that moment to him. That's yes, a, that's an interesting kind of distinction that I, I don't I always see and then say I don't know if I want to touch that the distinction between God the Father and, and Jesus sure. and God the Son, um, yeah, and them deciding to do different things but being one and the same. Sure, it's an interesting distinction. 
Um, but which one that I don't think we, we could go into with the 2,000 years of churches? Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Um, so let's move on to the next one. This was a, an interesting one, and I remember reading this for the first time, and it just just stopping me in my tracks. Mm-hmm. What was the deal with Jesus and that fig tree? Right, mm-hmm. And it's in uh, Mark, I'll read part of it. It's from Mark 11. We see uh, Jesus coming up on a fig tree, and uh, he enters Jerusalem on the following day when he went to Bethany. He was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. He went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Um, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And so he, we see Jesus see this tree. He curses it. Uh, I think another, another um, book shows that it withers and just dies. What 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 happened there? You might think, <laughs> does, yeah, does he not like figs or something right. like that? Yeah. yeah. No, the, the idea is, and it's something Jesus talked about all through his ministry, is the importance of fruitfulness, that you judge a life by your fruit. You judge your life by your fruit. I judge mine by the evidence of his presence in us. And the religious society of that day was like a tree full of leaves. It looked great. Like if you look at a tree in the springtime, that's a beautiful tree. Look at all the leaves. Um, and so it, it was an appearance-driven thing. And Jesus was like, Jerusalem, Israel, you are like this tree. You are full of leaves and you do celebrations and you claim to know God. And yet your fruit says something totally different. And so by doing that, it was symbolic of, you know, ultimately, you know, from your church history, Jerusalem would be destroyed and Israel taken over by the Roman Empire. Um and so this was almost like a prophetic statement about that. Yeah. And many times Jesus talked about fruit bearing. Look at the fruit of your life. And in fact, many Sundays we've talked about that here at our church where I've said that the lie that's you know, kind of perpetuated itself in modern Christianity is you know you're saved because you know the date, the time, location, and when you prayed the prayer. Well, that's not in the New Testament. What Jesus would say, what does the fruit of your life, what does the evidence of your life say? Because, you know, a lot of people dress up, look good, know their theology. They're leaves-filled trees. And Jesus like, I'm not interested in that. I want real fruit. Yeah. So that's the importance of that. I love that. And, and I remember, I, I think I said this a second ago, I remember reading that for the first time and being just so jarred because mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't turn around to the disciples and say, here's why I did that. And here's the lesson sure. that you should glean from that. Right. Um, but that's so interconnected to so much of his ministry. That was, that was such a broad theme, bearing fruit. Right. I mean, he would say, you know, the false teachers buy their false fruit. Uh, look at your own life. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. I mean, living a life where there's evidence of his presence in us is so important. And somehow in modern day Christianity just doesn't seem to be anything anybody talks about anymore. Just look at the evidence. And, and, and if you see evidence of his presence, wow. If you don't, you might want to wonder. Yeah. Okay. So last question. Um, and I got this one from two people, and they were both they were both moms. Yeah. Um, why did Jesus reject his mother? Um, and this is in Matthew 12. Um, but then ask John to take care of her at the cross. And I think they were phrasing this as a contradiction. But we can just get to kind of the meat of this. Why did Jesus reject his mother? This comes from Matthew 12. I think it was uh, he was talking to somebody, and uh, he saw that man saw Jesus' <clears throat> mother, Mary, in the background, and said, "Oh, shouldn't you go tend to your mother?" And he said, "Who is sure. my mother?" And who is my brother? And only those who, and he was kind of staying on topic, only those who become part of the kingdom of heaven are my mother and brother and sister. Yeah. Well, in other parts, Jesus, you know, Zach would talk about, 
you know, you have to hate your father, mother, brother, sister, husband, wife, whatever, mm. to follow me. And so basically Jesus there was not downing Mary or, or you know, uh, treating her in a mean spirit or anything like that, but just was establishing again, the kingdom of God is number one, and then the human family is number two, et cetera. And, and, and the same in our own life that, in my case, uh, you know, my relationship with the Lord is number one, and then my wife and kids are number two following after that. Um, because he did, I mean, it's amazing to me the part you just kind of brushed a little past, but that he's on the way to the cross. He's getting ready to die for the sins of the world. He's been beaten, whipped, you know, he's bloody. It's, it's, he's barely human. He's making his way to the cross, and he stops to take care of his mom. Mm. So to me, that moment... He screams to the world, Mom is significant. I'm taking care of her. Um, you know, and then he takes care of John and then he goes on to down the cross. So to me, that one statement alone, knowing all that he's been, he's on, he's on the verge of death and he stops everything, dying for the world to take care of his mom. Yeah. When that happens, I think that screams, he did truly, truly love Mary right. beyond what even she could understand. You know, again, we sit in a country, and I won't say Christian country, but a country where going to church and the Christian thing is, is kind of normal for most people. Mm -hmm. um, and we really don't get this. Now, you know, there are people in our country who do from other places and other belief systems, but you know, your average guy and, Savannah, Georgia, raised in a home where a lot of people were Catholic or Lutheran or Baptist or Methodist. They don't understand that. But, um, but yeah, again, it is just the idea that um, in ancient times, in Jesus' times, and in you know lots of places around the world today, you choose Christ or you choose your family. But if you choose one, you can't have the other. Mm -hmm. And that obviously is what, what he's referring to there. Sure. All right. Yeah. Well, I am glad we were able to hit so many questions that, sure. that kind of fit into the you know the, the catch-all special, I guess. Um, and if we didn't get to your question, uh, send it to us. Leave us a comment or, or send it to us you, into any of the addresses that you can find in the description below, um, and we will do a part two. And um, uh, we always love to have these conversations with you. Gary, is there anything you wanted to add before we go? Or? Well, I would just say, you know, all the questions were really, really good. And, uh, you know, I think what's exciting is, is you really dig in Scripture. Um, for every answer you find, I think you dig up two new questions. Mm -hmm. So that's the exciting part about growing is like even this morning and wrestling with one thing I like kind of nailed down, but other things came up like, okay, here's some other things now to kind of ponder in light of what I discovered. So if you're asking these questions, great. But as you're finding answers, hopefully you're asking even more questions as well. Great. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we want you to send them to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Gary, will you pray for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your son and all that he represents to us. And uh, Lord, as uh, we get to know your son, it, it, we, it's like a friendship. The deeper we get to know him, the more we realize we don't know about him and don't understand about him. And we're thankful uh, that one day we'll, we will enjoy eternity. And in that time period, forever, we will enjoy getting to know your son uh, as best we can. Thank you again for your word and for what it does indeed tell us about him. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Yeah, see you again next week. <laughs>